Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin, 50th episode. Kirby, how are you? Well, I'm impressed now. Uh, 50 episodes, who would have thunk it? I don't know. I wonder what our carry through is. I wonder if those people after hearing the first one actually stuck it through to, to this part. That's right. Gerba, lots and little to cover at the same time. I think we can announce that we had an interview scheduled, uh, which due to the breaking news in IndyCar vis-a-vis the TV contract, well, it got in the way of the interview. Let's put it that way. So we're back to our same old game commenting on other things IndyCar and I still think there's plenty to cover so I don't while I was looking forward to interviewing that guest uh it will be for another day and I think there's still plenty to go over what we call a tease in the business right that's true a significant person in the IndyCar uh, universe how's that Curb, uh, let's start out uh Marco finally wins one (laughs) it's amazing how much uh has been made of that victory isn't it that much Marco's finally arrived. He's starting to realize his potential now that he's on his own and he's his own man. <laughs> There's all he's of that. Beating a bunch of senior citizen uh, AARP cardholders. <laughs> and a couple of youngsters as well. And a couple teenage and, and a teenager. That's right. He, he got he got the jump on that 17 year old on the restart. <laughs> yeah. And rode it home. <laughs> well, look. Uh, we make fun, but uh, he did win a race. He is pr- proving himself to be in the SRX series a force to be reckoned with. You have to say that Slinger Speedway, holy Moses! It's it's interesting. I mean, those guys were just door to door for lap after lap of that thing, weren't they? I mean, this the Speedway itself, I believe, is the size of a of a running track, right? Curve of a yeah. track and field track, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Go to your high school. Go to your high school track and uh, put your. But 31 degree banking on it, sticking it in a town in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, with 5,000 people, and you got Slinger International. But I, Curb, I gotta say, and I just uh, I just finished watching the SRX finale, and I fast forward through a tremendous amount of it. Um, but I just finished watching that uh, today, actually, during lunch. And um, you got to give some credit to the SRX series, right? I mean, I, I do. They have created a product that is entertaining. They, they've done some innovative things, which I think make a lot of sense. I give them credit. I don't know that I give Marco credit, but I give them credit. You know, b- bottom line is they created uh, an entertaining product. They're not taking themselves too seriously so they can – they can continue to make it fun and uh, do what they got to do whenever they want to do it and not worry about, you know, a bunch of team owners that are bitching and moaning and complaining about their investment and so on and so on. So I think it's a great product. I'm not, I'm not bashing the overall product at all. And I think it's a fun watch on a, on a Saturday night. It's a kind of a stroke of brilliance. I mean, they're getting good TV ratings. They're getting over a million views. Uh, It is contrived racing to a degree. You know, they keep bringing out yellows, you know, but that's all part of it. Mm -hmm. And, it was interesting. I don't. Did you see the finale curve in Nashville? No, I did not. Well, it's interesting. So it was uh, Chase Elliott was the guest, right? Racing, right. racing yeah. with Dad. Nashville. Uh, I think they're Nashville natives or thereabouts, right? So he was the favorite, and Tony Stewart was in second for the last, you know, ten laps, let's say, 
And I'm pretty sure Tony Stewart under no circumstances was going to pass Chase Elliott and deny him the win. When you're, when you're also the co-owner of the series, you can, yeah. So, so he did two, I mean, he started the race. He just said, you know, they have the random draw to see who starts first and all that. And they, and and Tony Stewart said, no, no, we're going to let Bill and his son and Chase start one and two next to each other. So that's (laughs) how that's going to happen. And then, like I said, at the end, I, I was like, there's no way Tony Stewart's going to take this away from Chase Elliott. So, and he didn't. From what I read, uh, he didn't even want to take second away from Bill Elliott. He just, Elliot made some sort of mistake that, you know, you just couldn't not pass him or something. It yeah, like. that, that could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But good on all of them. And and like you said, and I think it's kind of insightful, isn't it? It's like the thing that really holds back a lot of these racing programs is these all these competing interests, right? Um, right. The owners and the league and all that. Well, with that place, there's just one or two, I guess, just Tony Stewart and uh, Ray Everham. And yeah. uh Via that, they've been able to kind of create something uh, in an image they want it to be. And and you're like you said, I mean, just throw rules out the window and say, we're going to do it this way, this race. And, you know, the drivers themselves all seem to kind of like doing it. I think there might be a bit of a fight to get into that uh, league next year. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it might develop kind of a Dancing with the Stars kind of effect, right, where People want to get in there to make their name, to get their names out there and known and, and uh, get some exposure. So is Hinch going to be uh, driving or commentating next year, Curb? <laughs> I think he'll be, he'll be commentating. Curb, <laughs> uh, uh, we started did, an SRX. Did, did you see, by the way, did you see where somebody asked Ray Everham how he decides or how he decides when to throw those yellows, those competition yellows? I'll throw them whenever the hell I didn't want to. <laughs> I had never even seen Ray Abraham before this series, and I he's now a guy I want to meet. He's, right. uh, he's an interesting character. And that guy, that that seven-foot-tall guy they have interviewing everybody, that's it's like Andre the Giant sitting there, you know, going down to like Tony Kanaan. <laughs> he can barely reach down that low to put the microphone in front of his face. It's amazing. But you know, He owns a NASCAR team. He's a no. co-owner in a NASCAR team. He's a, you know, I mean, he played basketball for – North Carolina and played in the NBA for a long time. And uh, when he made some money, he got involved in NASCAR and he's a, a team owner. But it just adds to the spectacle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, it it's, really not like, does. it's not like he's a, 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 you know, they went and found the tallest guy they could just to be funny. I mean, he really is a racer. Yeah, uh, but it actually works because, you know, racers tend to be small. And, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, and the, 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 the difference in size is, is comical in its own right. It's, it's, anyways, I, I think they'll, I saw some comments from Ray around. I think they'll fix the cars next year, so they're probably a little more durable and, yeah, and all that. That would be a good idea. For first year, I mean, NASCAR and IndyCar take note. I mean, there were some things there that worked for yeah, sure. Oh yeah. Curb, I think that segues, uh, and this is going to be much to your chagrin, I think, and that is F1 has uh, tried out this uh, sprint qualifying f- format on Saturday sprint race qualifying format where they have a seven, I think it was 17 laps or so at Silverstone to determine who gets pole. Right. And I watched it. It was okay. I mean, you can't say it was any more or less exciting than a normal formula one lace or race. It was just mercifully uh, lower laps. Right. So it didn't last as long. Right. Um, and they had a full crowd there. And I know there's been a lot of debate about it in the F1 circles, you know, about whether it's, you know, traditional, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, I'm interested in your opinion. Uh, well, 
I hope that you're going to give me a decent <laughs> opinion here because you just blow off all things F1. But assuming you're going to engage with me on this, my view was that it's just more racing. It's just more tickets to sell on Saturday. And really, I think for F1 as a as a organization, it probably worked. Surprised as you may be, I did actually read up on it. I didn't watch any of it, of course, but I did read up on it. And Russ Braun seems to be very excited about it, very pleased with how the first weekend went. Viewership on Friday of qualifying was up three times over what their typical Friday viewership would be. So I don't know. I don't remember what the viewership was on Saturday of the sprint race. But I think, again, I think he felt like it was up. You know, it, I, that's got to be their goal, I would think, to to get more eyeballs over the course of a weekend. You know, I mean, I was curious of the format. And again, it goes back to all those competing interests. But if you qualify on Friday, you know, generally the fastest cars are in front, the slowest cars are in back. I don't know how much actually gets accomplished over a 17-lap sprint race in terms of shaking up the, the starting positions unless somebody has an accident or something. But um, which, which happened to Perez, right? So did it started in the back on Sunday. May have played a role in what happened on lap one on Sunday, right? Well, I was going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I'm sure you didn't watch it again, Curb. Again, uh-huh. in the interest of things IndyCar and you know things that other series are doing and maybe worth looking at to try – one of the really inter- interesting aspects of that, I thought, they broadcasted the conversations between the stewards and like Christian Horner and Total Wolf. After the accident on, on Sunday? Yes. But you know, what's they, left to show on Drive to Survive after you do that? No, well, <laughs> cynicism aside, Curb, d- during the red flag, it made, um, I mean, it was pretty interesting. The red flag period was as interesting as anything because you got, you know, Christian Horner saying, hey, you know, that nobody, everybody knows you don't try a pass in that corner. That's just utterly ridiculous. And then you got Total Wolf's, you know, calling and saying, hey, you know, he was way up alongside. He had every right to that corner, you know. You don't usually get behind the uh, curtain like that. So that would be, I'm sure, entertaining. Yeah. Um, And and again, I mean, I'm not so sure that that's not something for IndyCar to look at because – it is part of the drama, and it is part of the thing that you don't often see. So then, but I, I did watch a, a six-minute uh, Will Buxton review of the incident. And what say you? Who's it? anybody at fault there? I think they nailed it and won. Uh, I think they did a very good job. I think it was pretty much a racing incident. It was Hamilton. Hamilton had to make the pass clean or not make it at all. And while I don't think he, you know, it wasn't so egregious that, you know, he he deserved any more than 10 seconds, but 10 seconds was probably about right. I mean, he, he, if he was in the wrong, it was just slightly. What would come from that is like, don't try that move in that corner very often. You know, that probably is something that shouldn't be tried all that often. You know, you have to say, looking at the thing, it, it, you know, Verstappen kind of comes in on him. And uh, he was well up alongside him. So I think they probably got it exactly right. I'm kind of disappointed with all the carping on that Red Bull's doing about it. Probably set the stage in case it happens again later in the season. Kind of like uh, American basketball coaches uh, working the refs, right? Even if it's between games. It's obviously a huge points loss for Verstappen. Uh, so, you know, it was a big blow to him. But uh, he still had clearly fairly a racing incident. And I think Hamilton's right he he doesn't have anything to apologize for curb two more things about uh f1 before we move on okay one is i haven't been the biggest fan of of lewis hamilton and i'm still not but 
good lord you know i always thought botas was somewhat his equal but i mean that race uh, and really the whole year but that race uh at silverstone just just uh, hamilton's in a different league from that guy and there is no way that they are going to bring botas back next year no way zero chance of that well, I mean, what is uh, the role of the second driver on a team with Hamilton as the lead driver? Well, I mean, I think he's dutifully filled that. So is it good or bad for um, Hamilton to have some internal pressure for a change? You know, it's one of these things where you want the guy really pushing you and challenging you. You just don't want him to beat you, kind of a la uh, Dixon uh, Palau right now. <laughs> or Dixon Franchitti. Or, uh, yeah, exactly. Last thing on F1 Curb is the new the new car that's coming out. I mean, at least the mock-ups of it now. I mean, it's an IndyCar. Yeah. Curb, um, let's move on to things a little bit more solidly IndyCar before we wrap up here, shall we? Okay. News today, a uh, lot of silly season stuff going on. I really don't want to get into it unless you do. Big news today seems to be breaking that NBC will be keeping the television contract and that they're happy with the – increases they've seen in viewership this year there's not much more to say about any of that is there curb the article i saw did not say how long the um, agreement would be it, it did say that it uh, expected there to be 12 races on nbc network next year up from nine this year that would be an important gain i think for indycar if they can you know if they have 17 or 18 races that's two-thirds of your races right there yeah, that was interesting. Uh, the part I found interesting was the other races are going to be on the USA Network, who's also producing the NASCAR Drive to Survive series. Yeah, when was the last time you watched the USA Network? Probably about the last time I watched ESPN. There you go. Kerb, uh, IndyCar getting a video game, finally. Yes. Uh, I, for one, am pretty excited about that. I got. I, I'm going to give all the credit to Roger Penske. And I just, you know, it's something been talked about forever. The previous regime just could not seem to make it happen for whatever reason. Um, I've, I've heard it said that it's an expensive proposition. So I'm going to guess that uh, Roger Penske told his people that they got to make it happen, and he probably backed it up with his pocketbook. Kurt, but did you ever own the cart indie car game? No. No, I did. I, I, I still might have that somewhere. It wasn't terrible. I mean, by today's standards, it would be. But it, during its heyday, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad product. It didn't. It did allow you to race like courses like surfers and so forth, which was pretty cool. I, and I do have this. I think. I think it was a Nintendo game or something, Indy 500, and that was just god awful. <laughs> I mean, really bad. They've got kind of a dubious predecessors here. I'm hoping that they can put out a decent product here. The the competing F1 product is pretty outstanding. It'll be hard to get even close to that, I think. I mean, it sounds like their partners are um, partners that have made plenty of the other uh, video games for the other you know racing series. So it's not like they went with some uh, startup or something. So hopefully that's a good omen. Uh, you'll have to tell me all about it. I don't really see myself going out and buying an Xbox just for this purpose. But um... Curb, um, Tatiana Calderon. Uh, tested for A.J. Foyt Racing at uh, Mid-Ohio. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'm just going to quote uh, they about this, if you don't mind. Uh, send her straight to IndyCar, money be damned. No, it was, uh, it was 
a bit of an eyebrow raiser this I'm quarter. Sorry. That was your, that was Ernie Francis. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, they said, and I quote here, that the Ford team were impressed with her ability to take input. Unquote. Well, my question would be: Was she impressed with the input she received from the Ford team? Hmm. My mind was in a different place. <laughs> we probably want to stay where mine was. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Curb, I, I'm tired of talking about this. I, please tell me. And I, I was hoping in our interview that we would get this answer uh, question uh, resolved. Can you be a part-timer, win leader circle of money, and race the following year or not? Best I can determine is that uh, Bobby Rahal is convinced that you can. So That's is the, he is he lobbying via the press to make that happen? I mean, it, it kind of smacks of that to me. Uh, maybe, but, you know, there's been so much talk about this in the last few weeks. You know, nobody's come out to to clarify, right? I mean, nobody's come out to say, no, no, it's not true. You have to be a full-timer. Uh, I listened to the Trackside podcast with uh, Kurt Cavan on it and Kevin Lee, and they talk about this issue. And Kurt Cavan works for the league. He's happy to remind you that every week. Nobody, nobody on that show is saying, no, it's only full-timers. They, they talk about this every week. So unless somebody comes out and clearly but, says that, that it's only full-timers, then I'm going to assume that anybody can qualify. But you and I have talked to people that, uh, you know, associated with IndyCar that insist it is. So I, my guess is it's a gray area that they're trying to figure out what the hell to do. If that's true, then they better figure out in a hurry. You know, Ray, Ray also talking about running more races than he planned to because he wants to go after that million bucks. If I were IndyCar, Roger Penske, I would have this as a one of the tabs on your, your website, Leader Circle money, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, they're, they're hiding, they're hiding this information and find that I just had to finally make up my own spreadsheet and, and track yeah, it myself. It's, it's interesting. It's just like, you know, I hate keep talking about Formula One, but it's the same thing, right? You know, there's a huge difference between placing third and fourth in the championship from a money standpoint, you know, revenue sharing standpoint. Right. And and so why IndyCar doesn't, you know, exploit this kind of race within the race is bizarre to me. Right. In spite of IndyCar's support of this issue, for lack of a better description, um, all the pundits, all the, you know, I mean, Lee Diffie and those guys, they're talking about it. All the writers are talking about it. Uh, all the podcasters are talking about it. So, uh, uh, except for that one podcast, that Hans Freud didn't want to talk about it. But um, the rest of them are. So whether IndyCar is, you know, out there trying to push it or not, it's being talked about. They do well to, to help support that talk just to get just more content out there for people you're talking about. Right. You got a month here with nothing to talk about. We're always baffled, right? And while I think we would both agree that things are headed in a generally correct direction, there's just these low-hanging fruit items that they always just seem to miss. Well, just think if you're uh, Dalton Kellett and K-Line, uh, whatever K-Line does, you get more uh, notoriety now if they start pushing this issue than you ever would any other time of the year, right? <laughs> You'd actually be in the news. You Pictures could say of K-Line like would be in the news. Dalton Kellett, I'm impressed with his ability to take input, unquote. There you go. <laughs> Did you see where uh, Santino Ferrucci will be testing the Rahal car at Laguna Seca this week? Yeah, that's got to be pretty close to a done deal for next year. You think it's because, hey, Santino's been doing well. Maybe we ought to keep going with this so we can get in the top 22? 
you know, Ray Hall, Bobby Ray Hall's been at the forefront of this. I, I have yet to see a statement from IndyCar saying, yes, that's that's right. He can. It's right. just bizarre. <laughs> we're, we're here to fill in where uh, IndyCar falls down on the drum. Yeah, thank God we're performing that service for them. Curb, uh, that's about it for me. You got anything you want to chuck in here at the last minute? No, no, not for me. That'll do it. I'm sure we've run on longer than our allotted time as usual. Yes, there'll be some there'll be some cutting going on around here. I hope it's from the uh, Formula One portion of the show, the the ever growing Formula One portion of the IndyCar podcast. <laughs> Again, Curb, I, I, we, we got to look beyond. We can't be insular in our thinking here as fans of IndyCar. We've got to drop that Indiana inbred insular thinking attitude that exists in that state and expand beyond it and look at what's going on around us and then make the right decisions. Bring back Andy Granatelli as a race promoter. That's all I say. Maybe uh, Tony Stewart and Ray Abraham should uh, – take the mantle from uh, Roger when he decides to give it up. Well, those guys are the reincarnation of uh, Andy Granatelli. According to his book, he said he used to promote races in Chicago and he'd always hire a hooligan to, to cause wrecks halfway through the races. All right, Curb. Thank you everybody for listening to our 50th episode. If you've made it this far and uh, we'll see you at number 51 soon. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks. 